Good morning. All right, it is time to come before the Lord again. Let's go ahead and uh, be seated if you can be, and let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord God, we come to you this morning again. We are very grateful that we can approach your throne with boldness, Lord, because of what you have done. Lord, you have been working here this week, and you are alive. Lord, your spirit is is here, and I just feel like this room's a big tub. We're all soaking in it. I praise God for it. Lord, I pray that you would bring a word out of your word for us this morning. I am am expectant, and I trust that each one here is as well. Lord, we look to thee, God. Meet with us again. In Jesus' name, amen. Huh? Well, it's just going to pick up with okay. I can just hear Ahab as he looked at Elijah and he says, Is it you that's been troubling Israel? Is it you? And Elijah said, no, it's you and your father's house because you have been serving idols. You are the one that's troubled Israel for three and a half years. You, you wicked king, are the reason why that there's been no rain. You are the reason why the grass is withered and the animals are dying and the people are moving to other places just to try to find enough water to survive. And I see this man of God take charge of the situation and he said, King Ahab, I want you to do something. Ahab was listening because Ahab was desperate. He said, I want you to gather all 850 prophets. I think there was 400 and another 450. Together, get them all gathered together. And all the people of Israel and tell them to meet me at Mount Carmel. We know what happened. They met at Mount Carmel. They gathered together. And Elijah asked them a question. He says, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. A very fair contest that this man of God laid out before these wicked men and women who had turned against Jehovah God. A very fair contest. We know the story. They brought two bullocks. They built the altar up. And he said, you go ahead and and you go first and dress the bullocks and put it up there on the wood and and, and see if, if Baal will hear and answer by fire. And so they begin to try to drum up this situation and make this God hear them and 
they started jumping and yelling and carrying on, and I don't know what kind of a, a deal that must have looked like, but as these Baal worshippers continued, Elijah began to mock them, and they began to get so desperate that by the afternoon they had their knives out and they were cutting themselves and lancets and all kinds of sharp objects, and they were, they were destroying themselves, just trying and hoping that maybe their God would hear. I can't spend too much time here. We know the story. From morning until noon, they were just crying, Baal, hear us. And there was no voice and, and no one or nobody that answered. And they were leaping upon the altar, the Scripture says, that was made. And it came to pass at noon, Elijah mocked them. And he said, you need to cry aloud for he's either sleeping or he's on a journey or, or something's going on. And cry louder. He was kind of mocking them. and Anyway, it finally came to pass that at the evening, the time of the evening sacrifice, that it still hadn't happened. Things just weren't happening. They were trying to, to make this happen outside of God. I think we can all relate to that. I don't know if anyone here came this week possibly with things in their lives that they had been trying to resurrect and make some firefall outside of Jehovah God. It doesn't work very well. We found that out. I don't think we need to spend time there. But here we are at the end of the week and we found that Spending a week alone with God like we have, something's happened. So let's go on. In this story we see that Elijah called all the people near unto him and they came near and the first thing he did was he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. He began to to repair this altar of God that had been broken down by these wicked men. I think I've seen some repaired altars this week. I know I have. I know about one right here. And he continued to prepare this altar. He put the bullock on there and he poured the water over it. We know the story. He did it the first, second, and even the third time until the trench was filled round about this altar. And I believe that Elijah was, was expected of God. He knew that God was going to answer by fire. This was a man, unless you forget, that James says was a, a man of like passions as we are. This man had the same struggles that, that you men and, and women have had in the flesh. But something had been going on for three and a half years because of this man's connection to God. This man knew something about walking with God. And he was expecting. He built this altar. and He began to, to talk to God and he says, Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know. Notice it's God's glory at stake, not the prophets. 
That this people may know that Thou art the Lord God and that Thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up all the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. What have we been saying with our lives this week? The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, not, let not one of them escape. We know the story. He took and he slew all of them. Why? Because they were enemies of God. Have you slain any enemies of God in your life this week? We're building up something. Let's keep going. So not one escaped. Elijah took good care of what God asked him to do. God will always judge sin. And He has in my life this week. And I know that you probably have the same testimony. But then what happened next is Elijah cast himself down upon the earth, the Scripture says, and he put his face between his knees and he began to cry out to God. He began to pray for something. And he said to his servant, Go up now and look towards the sea. And see if there's any rain coming yet. And he told him to do it seven times. And on the seventh time, he said, Elijah, I think I see something. It's, it's about the size of a man's hand and it's coming out off of the sea. And Elijah said, Ahab, go tell Ahab to get up and to head to town because there's an abundance of rain coming. There's, God is getting ready to do something. And we're not going to be able to stand against this, this rain that's coming. You tell Ahab he needs to get to town. And the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Can you imagine that? Ahab just galloping along. I mean, the old thundering wheels of the chariot. I can't imagine that crazy ride down the mountain and lightning and thunder and the rain pouring and coming in. And I don't know what all was going through Ahab's mind, but he knew one thing. They were finally getting rain, but this fire had just fell and all these prophets were... And he's thinking, now I've got to get back and in, I don't know, what, 45 minutes I'm going to get to town and and I'm going to see the queen and she's going to be mad. And all her prophets gone and I don't know what all's going on and a lightning bolt hits again and what's that in front of me? And there's this old prophet that just called fire from heaven and he's outrunning these horses and chariots. I mean, I just don't, can't imagine it. But his loins were girt up and he was about the work of God and God's hand was upon him. Get that clear and don't forget it. God's hand was upon Elijah. He was running in front of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. And Ahab, the Scripture says, told this wicked queen all that Elijah had done. 
And Ahab told the queen all that Elijah had done. Uh oh. And she was hot. Now, you would think that a man like Elijah, having come off of Mount Carmel, with all of that experience of God, would never come off of a mountain again. (laughs) And here he is down there, all of this is over, and he's ran in front of the horses and chariot all the way down to the city. And over here in the king's house, the king told the queen all that he had done. And I don't know where he was hanging out. He was somewhere in the same town hanging out. And I don't know what all was going through his mind, but I'm telling you, it gets really real when we go home. It gets really real when we go home. And fears like to come in as fast as they can. Because there's a tempter who doesn't want you to keep following after God. There is an enemy who does not want to see you continue to follow God. So the story kind of shifts here. The queen has knowledge of what's happened, and she's hot. Now, what does she do? She tells her servant, I want you to go tell Elijah something. I want you to tell him that within 24 hours, I'm going to take his life. I'm telling you, young people, you may get back, you may not even make it home before something comes up and says, I don't think you're going to make it for 24 hours. That is how real the battle is. I'm telling you, this is how real it is. This is Elijah. A man that could call fire from heaven because he was so in touch with God. And he's scared. Because he's afraid that some wicked, puny queen is going to take his life within 24 hours. And what does he do? He lights out of there and he's like, man, I better run for my life. And he starts running for his life. And he ends up in another town. He leaves his servant there and he goes another day into the wilderness. And he lays down under a tree. But it's a little bit of a different tree than we heard about Wednesday night because he's not in disobedience. This is real life. He lives in the flesh. He's got like passions as you, brother and sister. I'm telling you, he's just got some fears. And he needs God. We do too. We do too. And he's exhausted because fear wears us out fast. And he's God's servant. He's not in disobedience. He's just experiencing a real low time in life. And God hears and sees those situations. And it wasn't long and he felt a tap on his shoulder. It was an angel. He says, Arise and eat. 
Let's say it together. Arise and eat. That's the phrase I want to stick with us. He said, I want you to arise and eat. Eat God's provision. For the journey that's ahead of you is too great for you to take by yourself. Arise and eat. The call this morning, young person, is to get up, arise, and eat God's provision. If you do not, you will not be able to continue to go through the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, or whatever that's going to look like, or you will utterly perish. So the angel came to him twice, told him the same thing, arise and eat, and he did. I'm glad that he obeyed that time, that he was obedient, I'm sorry, uh, he was not disobedient before that we can see in scripture. He was wrestling with some real life issues, and when God came to speak to his life and said, arise and eat, he did. He did it twice. He didn't ask why, he obeyed. You see, God knows what's ahead of us, and we don't. I don't think Elijah had any idea that he was getting ready to go on this kind of a journey. I don't know where God's going to be taking you on what kind of a journey He's got you headed towards. And you don't know, but God does. And when He tells you to get up and eat, we'd better listen. The message is to arise and eat. Because the journey is too great for thee. Do you believe that? So he did. He arose and he drunk. Eaten, he ate and uh, drunk. And he went in the strength of that meat for 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the Mount of God. You know, I just think this is beautiful. Beautiful. An experience like we can't even fathom. Kind of like we've had this week in some way. It's just hard to wrap our minds all the way around it. And we, we drive down from Easton to Ellensburg, down off the mountain, and just like, bang, right back into real life. That fast. Fears and, and, and all kinds of things can start threatening. But don't let go of God. I'm telling you, don't let go of God. And He will end you up back in His presence. You eat what God gives you to sustain you and you will be back in His presence. I guarantee you. Elijah ended up at Horeb, the Mount of God. <clears throat> We're about out of time. I just want to, to shorten this here. And one thing that we see there is when he got to the Mount of God, he, he was open before God. He shared with God how he was feeling. If you recall, he says, um, first off, we didn't even talk about what he said under the tree. He said he just wanted to die. He was kind of having a pity party, wasn't he? Did the angel, let me ask you, did the angel cater to his pity party? No. But did the angel care? Of course. So God typically doesn't have a lot of pity parties with this. But He does care. He does give us what it takes to keep going. 
And that's what happened here too. He got in this cave and God manifested Himself in the still small voice. And he had some things to, to tell God the way he was feeling. And, um, you know, from his limited uh, humanistic perspective, it's just like, hey, I mean, it's just me. I'm the only one left. God says, no, no, no. There's 7,000 yet that haven't bowed the knee, the knee to, to Baal or kissed him. There's people all over. You don't even know about Elijah. And I think that was encouraging. But the bottom line here is that after he shared his heart with God um, on all those things, the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. When thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshai uh, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel. Meholah, shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. So he had three things that God told him to do. God did not pity party with him. He just, he listened. And then he said, now Elijah, I've got something for you to do. I've got a mission for you to accomplish. And what was the last thing that it was? He says, I want you to go anoint Elisha to be prophet in your stead. I want you to pass the mantle. I want you to make a disciple. Don't sit up here and moan and groan about being the only one. I've got people out there who have not bowed their knee to Baal. Who have not kissed Him. There are people reserved to my purpose, God says. And one of them, I have my eye on. And I want you to go and disciple Him. This is exciting to me. And we see what happened. Elijah found Elisha. He threw the mantle on him. And the end result of that was in verse 21 of 1 Kings 19. It says, Then he, Elisha, arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. And then, of course, there's a lot goes into all of that. But what we want to do is, just to be clear here, um, to go back over this account... One, your enemy will attempt to chase you with fear. Want that to be clear. This is real life. This is where you and I live. The enemy attempts to chase us with fear. You're going to die in 24 hours. I'm going to take and I'm going to throw this sin right back into your life and you're going to be a dead man again in 24 hours or less. That's what the enemy threatens. God says... Arise and eat my provision. Arise and eat my provision. His word gives strength to the journey. Always fill up. Always fill up. When there's something to eat from God, fill up. Because you don't know what's ahead of you. Thirdly, go to where God is. Go to the mount of God. Let His provision take you back to Him. Tell Him your fears. Don't expect a pity party. Expect to get from God a plan with a purpose. And remember that God has things for you to do. Call disciples to join in the work. 
And just a question I have is, who may God, as you go back to real life, who may God be calling you to disciple? You've been discipled this week, and we've learned in Timothy that we want to pass this on. We want to, um, what's that, teach others also. <laughs> teach others also that, um, that that may be what we're able to do. And so I just jotted down a few things like close friends, co-workers, brothers, sisters, siblings. Maybe there's children to some of us that are older and have older children that need discipled. And even the young children, like my, my ages of children. Um, and so the call is clear. And this is where we're going to end. Is that fear is real. But God will give you what it will take. To overcome that and to be strengthened again in Him. But you have to arise and eat. Partake of God's provision. Let's pray for the meal. Lord God, I know we're getting ready to rise and eat here in the flesh. But Lord, help us never, never to forsake eating the spiritual manna. Make this message real. Bring it to our remembrance when the fears threaten. We choose to arise and eat the provision of God. Give us the strength, Lord, to make that choice again and again and again until we die, Lord. It will be a challenge. Lord, take us to your mountain. Show us your glory. Speak to us in a still, small voice. Give us a plan with purpose. Show us, Lord, how to speak to other people's lives and to pass the mantle to other men and women who need to be discipled. Lord, this is a call for us all to engage in. Help us to receive it. Me included, Lord. Help us to walk in it. And Lord, don't have pity on us, but just give us that plan with purpose. We love you, we bless you, we praise you for what you've done here this week. In Jesus' name, amen.